Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. How are you all doing? Alhamdulillah. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytanir rajim. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulihil kareem. Rabbishrah li sadri wa yassir li amri. Wahlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Allahumma ahdi qalbi wa saddid lisani. Wasril sakhimata qalbi. Amin ya rabbil alameen. Kitabul Hajj. The Book of Hajj. What does the word Hajj mean? Hajj is Hajj, right? Hajja, the root is Hajim Jim. And the word Hajja is synonymous with Qasada. Qasada means to intend. Alright, so Hajj literally is to intend or to aim towards a certain object or place. Meaning, you set your goal that you want to reach a certain place, you want to go see a certain person. This is what? Hajja. And Hajja specifically uh, gives us two benefits. One is that you visit something or someone very frequently. This is within the meaning of the word. So Hajja is not just once in a lifetime visit. Hajja is what? To visit frequently, to go again and again. And secondly, it also implies to aim towards an object of reverence. There are many places that we go to, like for example the grocery store, but we don't go to such places with a lot of love and excitement. But then there are some other places which when we go, we go with a different feeling. Alright? So hajja is to go with what? With reverence, with respect and love. So when we combine all these meanings together, what is hajj then? What kind of a journey is it? It's a spiritual journey. Yes, it is obligatory to perform it once, but is hajj done only once every few years by people? No. Hajj is done every year by so many different people. And every time that a person goes there, he goes with reverence and love. It's a journey that you never get bored of. You know, for example, you live here and perhaps you've been to Niagara Falls so many times that you don't find any excitement in going there, right? Some people do, mashallah, because their hearts are very alive and that's good that when you see something so amazing, you are deeply affected by it. But the thing with Hajj is that you go again and again, but you don't get bored, So hajj is to go to the Kaaba or to Mecca to perform the religious rites and ceremonies of the pilgrimage. So this is what hajj is. Now, what exactly is hajj? I mean, the details of it, just a few details I want to mention before we actually get into the study of the ahadith. So first of all, remember that hajj is a pillar of Islam. In a hadith, we learn about the five pillars of Islam. The Prophet ﷺ said that Islam is built upon five things. And what are they? The testimony of faith, shahada. Alright. Secondly, salah, then zakat, then saum, then hajj. So just as a person is required to pray and fast and give zakat, they're also required to do hajj. They also have to go for hajj. Now, of course, zakat is obligatory. And when a person has a certain amount of wealth sitting with them for some time, they must give zakat. And just like that, hajj is also obligatory. It's not just obligatory on some Muslims. In general, we say that hajj is an obligation on who? All Muslims. In general. Alright, there are exceptions which inshallah we'll be looking at. But in general, hajj is an obligation just as 
fasting is or just as salah is or zakat is or shahada is. When was hajj made obligatory? When was it made obligatory? Who started the hajj? Ibrahim a.s. He built the Kaaba and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded him to make the announcement for hajj. وَأَذِّنْ فِي النَّاسِ بِالْحَجِّ So Ibrahim a.s. built the Kaaba, made the announcement for hajj and since then people have been performing hajj. But of course we learn that people, you know, change the rituals of hajj and the Prophet wasallam he corrected them, alright, based on revelation. So when was it that the Muslims were required to perform hajj? When were the Muslims required to perform hajj? The obligation was revealed in the ninth year after hijrah. Alright, in the ninth year after hijrah. Because the ayah, وَلِلَّهِ عَلَى النَّاسِ حِجُّ الْبَيْتِ مَنِ اسْتَطَاعَ إِلَيْهِ سَبِيلًا This is Surah Ali Imran, verse 97. Inshallah, we'll be looking at it in the first bab of the book. This ayah is from Surah Ali Imran, and Surah Ali Imran was revealed in the ninth year after the hijrah. Alright, so in the ninth year, Hajj was made obligatory. Now, remember for zakat, there are some conditions. Meaning for a person to give zakat, he must fulfill certain conditions. Correct? Just like that, when it comes to performing hajj, there are certain conditions. What are those conditions? The first condition is, what do you think? Yes, Muslim, Islam. That a person must be a Muslim. Because without Islam... You know, if a person is performing good deeds, those good deeds don't really bring any benefit to a person. Alright, there's no reward for them. If you want reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you must first believe in Allah and believe in everything that He has revealed and every prophet that He has sent. The second condition is sanity. A person must be aqil. They must be sane. Now, a quick question. Does a person have to be sane in order to give zakat? No. Zakat is to do with wealth. So if a person has a lot of wealth, and let's say there's something wrong with their mind, and they're not able to even make normal conversation, then who is required to calculate their zakat and give it? Their guardian. But zakat is still due on their wealth. But when it comes to hajj, hajj you have to perform yourself. You have to perform certain rituals. Alright, so for that a person must be sane. The third is bulugha. That a person must be mature, that they must have reached puberty. But what if a child does hajj? Let's say like a mother is going for hajj and she takes her toddler with her. And the toddler also does hajj. She puts on the ihram, makes him throw the stones. You know, he does the tawaf and the sari, everything. So will the child's hajj count? Yes. No, it will count. In a hadith we learn that a woman came to the Prophet ﷺ and she was carrying a baby. And she asked the Prophet ﷺ, Ali hada hajjun? That does his hajj count? And the Prophet ﷺ said, Naam walaki ajrun. Yes, and for you is also reward. Because you're taking that child. So if you're able to take your children for hajj, do that. Then the next condition is freedom. Meaning a slave is not required to do hajj. Then the fifth condition is istitara, ability. To have the ability to go and perform hajj. And this ability includes what? Health as well as wealth. Right? Meaning a person must have the means to go there, to live there for the duration of hajj. 
right? And they must be able to have the physical strength and the ability to go and perform the rituals. Now, what if a person only has wealth and no health? Meaning they have the money, but let's say they're physically disabled, or they're very old, and they haven't done hajj, then what should they do? Or they're very sick. Exactly. They can have hajj badal done. Hajj badal is that when you have someone else perform the hajj for you. And what if a person has only health and no wealth? I mean, they're physically fine, physically fit, mashallah, everything's good. But they don't have a lot of money. Then what? Ask for zakat and go. We learned about that, that uh, the Prophet ﷺ gave the camels. And fi uh, sabilillah includes what? Giving a camel so that someone can go for hajj. Good. So if someone sponsors you, can you do that? Yes, if someone says, like your mom says, I'll give the ticket for you, right? You make the rest of the arrangements. So this is possible. So just because a person is poor, it doesn't mean that they don't have to do hajj. They must find the means. Alright, to the best of their ability. And of course, لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها. Allah does not overburden a person with more than what they can bear. But at least they should have the intention that I want to go for hajj. Right now, my circumstances don't allow me, but I want to go in the future. Just because you don't have a lot of money, it doesn't mean that you exempt yourself from hajj. If you have health, if you have physical ability, then you have to do hajj and you must have the intention. And you must find the means. You must save or do whatever so that inshallah you can go. I remember growing up, we had this lady who used to work at our house and her wish was that she could go for hajj. This is what she would say all the time. That, you know, just take me for hajj. She would beg my parents again and again. And it was so difficult to get her ID card made because she didn't even have any proper paperwork. And then finally we got that made. Then passport was such a big hassle and then everything got lost somehow. So I don't know if she managed to go for hajj or not, but that was her dream. You know, like you could see that desire, that yearning. So every Muslim should have that yearning that I want to go for hajj. Hajj is not just for the very rich. So when a person has the ability, then they have to go for hajj. So these are the conditions for hajj. If you have a debt to pay off, let's say you have a student loan or something, and you're working on that, every month you are paying off, but then your father says, you know, we're all going for hajj, why don't you come along? And you say that I don't have any money right now. He says, I'll take care of it. So, alhamdulillah, well and good, enjoy. هذا min fadli rabbi. Okay, the next thing is, another thing I want to talk about is the wisdom behind Hajj. Why is Hajj obligatory? What's the benefit? Okay, excellent. There is purification because if a person goes for Hajj and their Hajj is accepted, then inshallah they return as a newborn child, right? Like the day that their mother gave birth to them. Purification is one benefit. What other benefit is there in doing Hajj? Okay, the attainment of Taqwa, good, yes. Okay, it's the way of Ibrahim a.s. Good, go ahead. Okay, excellent. Reminds you of the Day of Judgment. Okay, good. It's fulfilling one of the pillars of Islam. Good, it's perfecting your Islam. But why go to Mecca and perform those rituals on those days? What's the wisdom in that? Why do you have to travel to Kaaba? Why do you have to go all the way there? What's the wisdom in that? The wisdom is that you are showing respect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is ta'zeem in this. There is veneration in this. Because when you go visit someone, when you travel, when you go all the way to visit someone, why do you do that? Why not just 
call them on the phone or send them a letter. Is there a difference? When you go physically somewhere, you're showing them respect. And the Kaaba is a blessed house that is worthy of respect. And a place is respected when people come and visit it, right? Or inhabit it. So this is part of showing our respect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the place that He has chosen. Secondly, we're also following the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Remember that Umar radiallahu anhu, once he was doing the tawaf, and when he came by the Hajar Aswad, he said that you are only a rock. Right? Innaka hajar. You neither benefit nor do you bring any harm. And if I had not seen the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam kissing you, I would not kiss you. Right? So the only reason why we go and do all of these things is why? Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught us to do that. So another reason for hajj is that we show our loyalty to Allah and His Messenger. And this is why we spend so much on that also, because sometimes people complain, you know, it can be very expensive. And why the specific rituals? Because these rituals actually increase a person's iman. When we read the Qur'an, we come across the mention of the Kaaba, we come across the mention of Ibrahim salam, the different prophets of Allah, but when you actually go there and you see the Kaaba yourself, when you do tawaf yourself, when you go to Mina yourself, then it, it increases your faith. So this is very important. And this is something that, you know, we should focus on from the very beginning that even children should be taken for Umrah and Hajj. One is that you show them, you just talk to them about something. The other is that you show them a picture. You show them a video. Then you take a field trip. Why do kids go on field trips? Because that experience teaches you things very quickly. What you learn from experience, you cannot learn from books and from lectures. And then of course there is also, you know, when you go for Hajj, you have to spend your money, you have to spend your own time, you have to perform the rituals yourself. So through that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests us. You see the different commands that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. Some of them require only physical effort. Like for example, salah. I mean, of course, there's mental and spiritual exertion also, but mainly what do you have to do? Wherever you are, even if you're driving, you can stop the car, you know, and pray on the side, correct? Your body is meant to be involved over there. Some other rituals are such that we have to use our money. Like for example, zakat. And then there are some acts of worship that Requires to use our money and our physical ability. Like for example, Hajj. And then there are some acts of worship which require us to leave something. Like fasting. And there are other acts of worship in which we are required to do something. Like Salah. So we see that different rules or different commands, they test us in different ways. So here, when we are required to spend our money and we are supposed to go physically travel for Hajj, then we are being tested. Remember that Hajj is also a very important pillar of Islam. So it has great importance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands us Himself, perform Hajj and Umrah. Just as He commands us to perform Salah, He also commands us to perform Hajj. In a hadith we learned, and this hadith is in Musnad Ahmad, that once the companions were sitting with the Prophet ﷺ, and he asked them that which rope of Islam is the strongest, is the firmest. 
meaning which aspect of Islam is very important. What do you think is? Action. Prayer, I heard. Exactly. So the companion said salah. The Prophet ﷺ, hasana, good. What else? They said zakat. He said, good. What else? They said fasting in the month of Ramadan. He said, good. What else? They said hajj. He said, good. What else? They said jihad. He said, good. What else? So he kept asking them. And every single one of them he approved of. So we see that hajj is one of the strongest ropes of Islam, meaning it builds your strong connection with Islam. It strengthens you in Islam. And it's a sign of a Muslim also. The Prophet ﷺ was asked about what Islam is. And he mentioned the five pillars. And then he was asked that if I do all of these things, would I be a Muslim? And the Prophet ﷺ said, yes. So this means that when a person does hajj, then it shows that they are a, they are a Muslim. It's a sign of a person's Islam. Okay, let's begin. Kitabul Hajj, Bab, Wujub al Hajji wa Fadlihi. Wujub al Hajji. Wujub is obligation. So the obligation of Hajj and Fadlihi. It's Fadl meaning it's virtue. What's the benefit? What's the excellence of performing Hajj? Imam Bukhari brings an ayah from the Quran. وَلِلَّهِ عَلَى النَّاسِ حِجُّ الْبَيْتِ مَنِ اسْتَطَاعَ إِلَيْهِ سَبِيلًا وَمَنْ كَفَرَ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ غَنِيٌّ عَنِ الْعَالَمِينَ وَلِلَّهِ عَلَى النَّاسِ And it is the right of Allah over the people, meaning the people must fulfill this duty towards Allah. This is an obligation on people, a right of Allah. And what is that? حِجُّ الْبَيْتِ So, it is the right of Allah upon the people that they must perform the hajj of the house. Which house? The Kaaba. And who amongst people has to do that? Manistata'a ilayhi sabila. Whoever among them is able to find a way to it, meaning to the house of Allah. Woman kafara fa inna Allah ghaniyun anil alameen. And whoever denies, then indeed Allah is free of need of the worlds, meaning Allah does not need the worship of people. So first of all, we see over here, Imam Bukhari is saying that hajj is an obligation. And for that, he brings this verse, that it is the right of Allah, ala nas. Ala means it's a duty on them. It's an obligation on them. So people must perform hajj. How many times does a person have to perform hajj? Minimum. Once. But what if a person is very wealthy and they're able to go? Easily. Then, how often? Every five years. Every five years. There's a hadith in Sahih ibn Hibban, which tells us that Allah the Exalted says that the servant of mine, whom I have given health to in his body, and I have expanded for him his provision, and five years go by, and he does not come towards me, meaning for hajj, then he is mahroom. Mahroom as in he is deprived. So what does this hadith show us? That every five years, if a person has the wealth, then they must go visit the Kaaba at least once every five years. I mean, Umrah is minor pilgrimage. So if hajj is not possible, then at least Umrah. But every five years... I mean, this should be a part of our, you know, financial planning, our budgeting. 
You see, on mankind, meaning people must do that. Yes, I mean, Muslimin has not been mentioned because, um, I mean, Muslims are also people. Let's look at the hadith. حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف أخبرنا مالك عن ابن شهاب عن سليمان بن يسار عن عبد الله بن عباس رضي الله عنهما. So Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu is reporting the hadith. He says, Qala, he said, كان الفضل, الفضل was رديف رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم. He was the radif of the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم. Radif is a person who is sitting behind you on a camel or a horse. So he was sitting, meaning on the same saddle, on the same animal. Radif is who? The person sitting right behind you. So basically, Fadl was on the same ride as that of the Prophet ﷺ. What happened? فَجَاءَتِ امْرَأَةٌ مِّنْ خَثْعَمْ So a woman of Khathram tribe came. فَجَعَلَ الْفَضْلُ يَنظُرُ إِلَيْهَا وَتَنظُرُ إِلَيْهِ So Al-Fadl began looking towards her and she started looking towards him. وَجَعَلَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يَصْرِفُ وَجْهَ الْفَضْلِ إِلَى الشِّقِّ الْآخَرِ and the Prophet ﷺ turned the face of Al-Fadl towards the other side. فَقَالَتْ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ And then the woman asked, O Messenger of Allah, إِنَّ فَرِيدَةَ اللَّهِ عَلَىٰ عِبَادِهِ فِي الْحَجِّ That the obligation imposed by Allah upon His servants regarding Hajj, أَدْرَكَتْ أَبِي It has reached my father, meaning my father is required to do Hajj. Why would he be required to do Hajj? Because he had wealth. However, he is shaykhan kabiran. He is my father who is an old man, very old, kabir as in very old. لا يسبتو على الراحلة He's not even able to sit firmly on his ride. Meaning he cannot even sit on the camel. So how can he travel all the way to hajj? أفأحج عنه So should I perform hajj on his behalf? Qala, the Prophet ﷺ said, Naam, yes. وَذَلِكَ فِي حَجَّةِ الْوَدَاعِ And this incident happened at حَجَّةُ الْوَدَاعِ At the farewell pilgrimage in which the Prophet ﷺ performed hajj. So we see over here, Imam Bukhari brings this hadith because the woman asked about her father who was a very old man who was not able to physically go and perform hajj himself. So the woman is asking, should I do hajj on behalf of my father? So the Prophet ﷺ did not say, no, you don't have to, it's okay, because he's not able to do hajj, he should not. Rather, he said, yes, you should do it on his behalf. So this shows us that hajj is an obligation. And the reason why in the ayah, man istata'a ilayhi sabila is emphasized is because hajj has, you know, extra difficulty compared to other acts of worship. Correct? I mean, when it comes to giving zakat, you can give that from home. Isn't it? When it comes to salah, you can do that at home. Fasting, you can do at home. But when it comes to hajj, you have to leave your house. You have to take on extra difficulty and travel to hajj. So this is why it's emphasized man istata'a ilayhi sabila. So just because a person is physically unable to go, it doesn't mean that they don't have to perform hajj. They will have someone else perform the hajj on their behalf. All right, so this hadith makes it clear. Now, one question, who was Al-Fadl ibn Abbas? The brother of Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhu. Who's narrating the hadith? Abdullah ibn Abbas. All right, so he's narrating a hadith and he mentions his brother in it. 
And both of them were brothers and they were the sons of who? Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib. So basically, these two were who? Cousins of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Fadl bin Abbas was the youngest from the Alul Bayt at this time. So he was a younger brother of Abdullah bin Abbas. And it's very natural. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is going on his camel in Hajj. And a young man, a youth, is riding behind him. And this shows us the humility of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also, that he didn't mind giving lifts to people, especially a younger boy. And this shows us the importance of spending time with younger people also, giving them a ride, because this is when you teach them. Because we see at this occasion, the Prophet ﷺ taught him a very important lesson, where this woman came, and he started looking at her, and she started looking at him. It's very normal. It happens at this age. And when the Prophet ﷺ noticed that, he didn't ignore it, that, oh, what can I do? No, he didn't say to the woman, you go away from here. Or didn't say to her that you cover up completely. Rather, he just turned the face of Fadl away. And this shows us that we have to stop wrong. How? With our hands. If we're able to. right? And if we're not able to do that, then how? With our tongue, with our words. And if that also we're not able to do then? At least feel bad in the heart. Anything you'd like to say about this hadith? Can you do hajj on behalf of someone who's passed away? Yes. And you can also do it on behalf of someone who is alive. But you will only do it on behalf of someone who's alive when they are not able to go themselves. Some people say that, you know, we're too busy or they're just too afraid to go. They're too afraid to go because they've heard lots of horror stories. So they don't want to go for hajj themselves and they'll just have someone else perform hajj for them. That is not correct because Alhamdulillah, I mean, there's so many conveniences now. Yes, it can be difficult, but in the ma'al usri yusra. So you see, this man, old man, was not able to sit on the camel at all, right? And this is why the Prophet ﷺ allowed this woman to do it on behalf of her father. And this also shows that a woman can do hajj badal for a man, and vice versa is also allowed. I mean, if she is doing it on his behalf then it's his hajj. Of course, you will get the reward of helping someone, of cooperating in doing good things, but you cannot have double intention. right? That I'm doing my hajj and also his hajj. And hajj badal can only be done by someone who's already done their hajj. First, a person must fulfill their own obligation. All right? And then they should do hajj on behalf of other people. Because you see, if someone hasn't done their own hajj, and you send them, that okay, you do hajj on my behalf, how can they do hajj on your behalf? I mean, their intention is going to be very, uh, they're being put in a very difficult spot. It's like, you know, there's a hungry person and you're telling them, take this food for me, deliver it. Right? You're putting them in so much fitna. I mean, recently there was a video going around, someone in India, I believe, food delivery guys started eating food before he delivered the food. So, you know, our deen is very practical. Why put a hungry person or a person who has that need for something in an uncomfortable situation? So, inshallah, uh, more about Hajj Badal, uh, we will do later, inshallah. So, for now, it's very clear that Hajj is an obligation. All right. Second, 